Hello, Rip City. To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful Tuesday, the 29th of December. I am Keith Feltner-Smith, and we have our starting five tonight of Chad Helm. That's where you say hello. Unmute yourself, maybe. Hello. <laughs> we got Chad Helm. We got AQ, who's hey, hushing us. Up? Okay. <laughs> And joining us uh, this week, we also have uh, TC listener and Zoom host for the, the the Blazers live chat, at least for game one. And hopefully we'll do that again when we have a, a win to celebrate. Seth Morgan, welcome back to the show, sir. How are you? Good, good. Nobody showed up last night to the Zoom call, and I'm angry at Twitter. Wait, you did another one last night? I did, yeah. I put out Dude. A, I, I was like, hey, I'm live. I can't put the link because every time I put the link out, Zoom gets really mad at me. Um, but I went live and nobody had just signed up in like the first 10 minutes. So I shut it down. Well, damn, I, d- I didn't even know you were doing that. A like game yeah, one was I w- fun. I, w- I would like to do it every game. I think it'd be a blast. Oh Just man. Okay. Well, group chat. say it again. What's that? No, what games are on. Say it again, AQ. You kind of cut out there. Oh, I said, um, we should have like a Twitter, uh, chat where we can like say, Hey, who's coming on for, you know, like a zoom or whatever game. Yeah, but if you have just the Twitter group chat, then you're li- like the whole point of Twitter is you got the whole Twitter world, the whole Rip Twitty or uh, the whole Blazer Twitter verse out there. Uh, and I think he threw it out for game one. I think we had maybe, I don't know, eight or nine of us show up at different times. It was a fun time, kind of a, a drunken yeah. night as we all celebrated uh, not having to watch uh, Blazers get d- dominated by the Jazz. But that will all get ignored later. Uh, our fifth and final member of the starting five tonight for the TC. The Blazers Edge host with the new pod, Dave and Dia. Please go check that out. Awesome show with a friend of the show, Dave Deckard and Dia Miller. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm, you know, here and I haven't lost my mind yet because we haven't started talking about James Harden, but I feel like it's It's you know, coming. it's coming. We, we're both wincing like just, oh, it's not going to it's not going to feel good. Just we'll, we'll get through that part. There's lots of other fun stuff to talk about, too. We will get there. Uh First things first, is ma'am the wrong way to address you? Is that just not really? I feel like that was really outdated. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm 35, so I'm getting up there. <laughs> I'm the same age as the oldest players in the NBA now, but that makes me feel pretty dang Oh, old. no. Oh, no. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Well, I, I'll, I'll edit that back in there. I'll, I'll find some other. <laughs> so, it, it's one of those things where, like, you're at the grocery store and the 18-year-old that works there is like, here you go, ma'am. And you just realize that <laughs> the last 20 years of your life are gone and you have no idea where they went. But it's cool. See, for me, I've been I've been trying to not say guy to everyone. Uh, like, hey, how are you guys doing? Uh, just trying to be more aware and, and, and uh, uh, I guess, yeah, just uh, aware of my of friends' preferences. Uh, but ma'am, I feel like you just kind of slid in there and like, oh, that's maybe not the not not the preferred. Yeah, I'm not I, offended. I, how do you feel about dude? Are you are can you still? Because some people, I feel like it's either one or the other. Some people are okay with being called dude. Other people are like, no, that's a male term only. I mean, I I really don't care. I go, <laughs> really I, I, you can call me whatever the hell you want. I still <laughs> don't care. I'll respond to all of it. Everyone is dude in my mind. It's it's more of a comrade or friend. It's not. There's no uh, gender specificity for it. But uh, yeah, I, I live in California. Dude gets yes. thrown around a lot. Yes. So there we go. Okay. I had a family member that used dude so much. The girlfriend named the dog dude, hoping that he would stop saying dude <laughs> to her. That's a good strategy. I like it. <laughs> That's hilarious. 
and it worked. He doesn't. He didn't call her dude ever again. Oh man. Okay. Uh, well, dudes. Yeah, I'm gonna have to just keep throwing that one in there all podcast now. Uh, where should we begin? We can maybe start with the things that we're going to ignore. You know, like I think last time, uh, let's just actually catch up. AQ, last time you were here a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about the preseason uh, uh, predictions, and I think you were the only one that actually got it right. You said two and two, and I might have been, uh, or maybe you made me go two and two. I don't even really remember at this point, but uh, how are you feeling? We were feeling so confident at the, at the beginning when this was all starting out, and, we, and kind of maybe faded off uh, the last couple of games before we've gotten to the regular season, but... Where, where, where are you staying now? Yeah, no, it's been very, like, back and forth a couple games here where the first week I was, you know, on Twitter um, and just a meltdown and then uh, uh, KOC um, just basically trashing us from the ringer, talking about how I knew the Blazers were frauds after one game KOC nights. Um, but, yeah, it was really awesome to see that comeback game last two games. Um, so it was – I'm, I'm – Doing good now. I'm very optimistic about the team. Yeah. So yeah, we 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 had a bit of a. I, I kind of garbled through that uh, intro of the, as far as what we're talking about. But yeah, we had a, a bit of a miss on the preseason predictions there. And yeah, like you were saying, it looked rough for that game one against the Jazz. So we're gonna skip right by all that. Let's get to the more interesting stuff with game two and three against the Rockets and the Lakers this week. Uh, we took on the Rockets. Blazers won one twenty eight to one twenty six in overtime. That is an overtime two-point win with the Rockets only fielding nine players. Uh, Dame going scoreless for the first half of the game for his first time in, I think, 240-something-odd games is what I saw. Uh, that, was a, that, that was a lot of crazy. Uh, in addition to that, you had Harden and CJ matching up for 44 points each on each side. Thankfully, the rest of the Blazers squad could, uh, it, with Dan with Harden and CJ match number 44 each, the rest of the Blazers squad could outdo the eight other Rockets nameless bench players. Uh, so it wasn't a total loss, but that was a rough game to get through. Uh, even even though it was a win, that was a, a hard feeling uh, <laughs> as far as all the expectations we had with the new roster, the new defensive players coming on. And we'll get to game three in a second, but uh, what about the rest of you? I almost said, what about the rest of you guys? What about the rest of you dudes out here? Uh, how did you feel after that game two in, against Houston? Did that give you a little more hope after the, the Jazz defeat? Or or did this feel, still feel pretty hopeless? You know, I I think it's one of those things where <laughs> it there are so many expectations going into the season. Every year, there are expectations going into the season. And I think this year, we were, I think Blazer fans were super excited because we made some big moves in the offseason. It was like, finally, we're getting the people we want to get. And then we go into preseason and it's iffy. And then we go into, and everyone's like, but it doesn't matter. It's just, you know, we're just trying things out. And then we go into game one and, you know, there's a reason we're not talking about that today. That didn't <laughs> go all that well. And then we go into game two, which I think everyone, Houston fans included, kind of expected to be a blowout because, again, like you said, they were they were down a lot of players. Houston was down a lot of players. But, but the thing that I keep saying over and over and over is this year is not a normal year. These guys didn't have the summer together. They didn't have some, they didn't have any of the normal things they have. They had three practices before they went into the preseason. This is a squad that is figuring each other out. This is not a starting lineup that has been together. This is a starting lineup that's figuring each other out. They're coming from different teams. They're having to figure out 
who, you know, they're, they're, they have to figure out where people are going to be and when they're going to be there and their tendencies and the little things that make them play the way that they do. And that stuff takes time. There's no automatic fix for that. And so I think the fact that, you know, we saw preseason, we saw the first two games and we're continually improving. I say, forget about those little things that it's very easy to freak out about and look at the overall picture of the fact that we are improving and we're getting better and we're starting to mesh and it's going to come together. Yeah. It's, it's hard sometimes to avoid the, uh, it's only one game, but kind of feeling, you know, like everyone, the, the hot takes and obviously the whole media machine kind of feeds into this. You have any sort of, uh, variation from what was expected and it's easy for headlines to get written and, and lots of kind of conversation to go off as we're doing right now. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, I think despite the rough start, it is, is not something that fans should hold on to too much, uh, more so than just maybe the, the sputtering, uh, as they get going with the new roster, like you mentioned, Dia, I, the bigger deal might be that kind of back and forth between CJ and James Harden. Uh, so maybe we can just dive into this now, get it out of the way (laughs) as Dia starts to wince already. Uh, but uh, I'm gonna I'm also maybe I feel like I, if I could only just mute AQ on this before we even get going here. Uh, but what do you guys think as far as the rumors surrounding James Harden putting the Blazers on his list of teams he'd be willing to get traded to? Even though let's remind all the listeners out there, even though James Harden does not have any leverage with the Rockets, he has two years left on his contract uh, before the, the the player option that is on there. I think player option, right, or is that team option? I don't know. doesn't matter. Um, he doesn't have the leverage. He adds Blazers to the list anyway, and fans are, I th- I'd say, pretty solidly divided on some people like uh, AQ that think it would actually be helpful here. And then the rest of us that have seen the logic and understand you can't just plug a player in to another team and expect the same results. You can't just send someone like James Harden, uh, who isn't not only an antithesis of what they've built on the court for the Blazers, but off the court, the character that Rip City is about that has not just been built over Dame's legacy here, but decades of Blazers basketball since the Jail Blazers. You would be undoing all of that by bringing a guy like him into Portland. Uh, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Chad or Seth, either of you guys want to chime in here as as far as your thoughts on James Harden and the rumors surrounding his uh, whateverness. Go for it, Seth. <laughs> All right. So uh, first, uh, it is a player option in 2022-2023. Thank you, sir. $47 million. Ah! Um, so like, I'm, I'm not a fan of James Harden. I don't like his style of basketball. He's an undeniable great player. Uh, and I don't know that he fits in Rip City, but I think that, like, and I'm, and I'm adamantly a do-not-trade-CJ guy. But you have that opportunity. You should explore that trade. This is the year where it is okay to make that trade. You're getting James Harden for two more years. It's it's not ideal by any means, but this is the year that it's okay to make that trade. As much as it pains me to say that. Now, that said... The Trailblazers are not going to get James Harden. That is not happening in <laughs> any universe. So people just need to let it go. We can't, the, they have come out and said that they are not interested in going over the tax 
in any way, shape, or form. And there's maybe two trade combinations that work that bring James Harden in and keep them under the tax. And neither where, of Where those, you would be gutting the team. You, you'd have nothing yeah, left. You'd, you'd be, be gutting whole, the team. The team's not going to do that. Yeah, you'd be gutting the team, and neither of them are going to set the team up for the future. So you just, it's not going to happen. Thank you. Um, I think we've seen it in the past where guys have, where guys have expanded their list of teams to try to create leverage. I don't think James Harden has ever been interested in coming to play in Portland. Yeah, you make the trade. If he's, if it's going to happen and you can do it and you stand to the tax, fine. Do it, make the trade because it does make them an immediate championship contender. I, uh, okay, okay, so, so I have a question. I have a question. Are we a, a are we a championship contender right now without him? Yes. Yes. I, do I we have I'm... the do we have the possibilities of being a championship contender in three years? Yes. Yes. So absolutely. In three years, if we make this trade, we what does that three years look like from now? Right. Uh, yeah. Sorry. It's, an absolute, it's an absolutely great question. Your your point being, Chad, is that this if to trade for James Harden now would be to go all in on this year or the on next one championship. Year championship maybe, window. Maybe two. And it's it would be essentially burning ourselves for the future after that. Uh whereas right now we have a little bit of a chance for the future after that, and our chance might now right now our chance right now might not be as high as it would with James Harden on paper, but it's not like it's in the basement either. So before you see before you go in there, AQ. I will say this. This is the only thing I was going to go into. Is that I watched that Houston game, and what I came away with is I hope we can all stop talking about trading CJ now. Yep. We see the importance yep. of CJ, right? Dame's not going to have it every night. Uh, guy works hard. He's an amazing player. But to have another guy who can just take over a game is not a bad thing. And I don't. I think CJ is that. I don't know that you need James Harden to provide that role. I think that if you bring James in, I don't know what Dame is anymore, and I don't know how he plays against that. I don't know what Nurk turns into. Like it just is a whole different offense that I personally just don't want to watch as a fan. Um, that's it. Like I just don't like watching Houston operate. I don't want to see PJ Tucker operate in our offense either. I mean, no offense, they're all great players. They're all doing their thing and they're all playing basketball for a living. And I'm sitting here talking to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. that's the other thing is CJ has put in his time. With the with Dame, with Terry, you know, with Nurk and some of with the community. Guys. Yeah, tons of great things in Portland that he's done with the Boys and Girls Club and journalism programs and everything. Like he would, if if they traded CJ for James Harden and the Blazers won a championship, that would be a disservice to CJ McCollum and what he has done and does mean to this franchise. He should get a championship. The problem has never been CJ at the two. The problem has been the front court and the roster and injuries to it. Well, in, in addition to like what we've seen from CJ even this year, when these rumors have been going on, you heard him after the Houston game kind of mention, uh, I think it was Jason Quick that asked him about it. And he said, well, hey, if they're trading for James Harden, who do you think is going out of here in that move, Jason? Like he, he knows this is very much focused on him. And he performed with a 44 points, eight assists, Three, three rebounds against Houston uh, and then 11 assists and 20 points against uh, LA last night the dude is averaging 7.3 assists so far I know it's only three games this season but he is very much aware of what's being said about him and he's here to perform and show that he belongs here now AQ I know we've been holding you off on a, on a leash we've been cutting his mic over there to make sure you can't get into we had enough CG support on the pod because I'm gonna be honest too 
I have definitely been a voice that is often saying, hey, CJ is the value that we need to trade. If we're going to make a move to get this team better, CJ is the value. But it is not for James Harden. Okay, so AQ, please <laughs> tell me where yeah. you disagree. So this all this argument I'm hearing about CJ, it reminds me of a certain star in San Antonio called DeMar DeRozan. I remember being on the Raptors subreddit. You cannot trade DeMar. He's so awesome to the Toronto community, which this is all true. CJ, I love CJ to death. NBA is always about talent. If you ask every Raptors fan right now, was the Kawhi Leonard trade worth it? 100% it was. If you ask every Lakers fan right now, was it worth it to give up all those picks and all those stuff for Anthony Davis? It was worth it. NBA talent wins. I love CJ. He isn't the talent that James Harden is. I think a Damon Harden backcourt with Terry Stotts could be a good backcourt. Harden can carry teams. He makes teams better. He can make Dame even better. That's oh, 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 oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> it's not I, I can't I can't hold it anymore. Do it. It's, Go, it's, you can't say it's all about talent. It has never been all about talent. Ever in the history of basketball has it ever been all about talent. You can you can if you were to take okay, all right. You're good, you're good. Bring the fire. If you were to take the five most talented players in the NBA and put them on a team together, then yeah, okay, maybe you can argue that they would win because talent matters. I'm not saying that talent doesn't matter, but what I am saying is when you have a team like Portland who has built their entire team around this chemistry and this ability to play off each other and know each other and play well together, you can't just throw Harden in there and hope that it's gonna work out because he's talented. And not only that, you're not just doing a straight across trade CJ for Harden. It's not like you're pulling CJ out and plopping Harden down in his place. You're going to lose other key players and you're going to give right. up part of Portland's future. And I think that that Chad hit this on the nail on the nose on the whatever that saying is. <laughs> in, in that in that you can't you you can't look at just this current year. The fact of the matter is you cannot convince me that Harden truly wants to be in Portland. This is not a man whose heart is with Portland and he just is going to do anything he can to get here. This is a man that's pissed off about his current team and doesn't want to be there and is throwing a freaking fit about it and refusing to be a grown-up about it and, and forcing his way out in a way that is completely inappropriate and totally irresponsible. And so now you've got this guy. So let's say he comes to Portland. Let's say we say exactly what you're saying, AQ, that you know what? Let's bring him. Let's get worth it. We're going to throw him in there and see how it goes. So let's say we do that. What's to stop him a year down the road from saying, screw Portland, I don't want to be here, throwing a little hissy fit, and now we've blown up our team. And not only do we not have a championship, and not only do we not have the players that we traded away and the picks that we traded away, but now we got a pissed off James Harden that doesn't want to be here and wants to leave and blows our team up. This is a terrible move. He's yes. talented. I have. I am not someone who, I, I love CJ. I want to see CJ stay. But I am not delusional enough to think that we can hold on to every piece of talent we have and continually add more talent. I know how this works. I know you have to let people go. I get that and I'm okay with that. That being said, you don't just take this trade because Harden is a talent. Talent exactly. isn't enough, especially in Portland. 
Amen. Oh my God. I knew there was a reason we got Dia on here this week. Thank you. That was beautiful to counter AQ. <laughs> I make you seem like a great guy, and I think you're probably really smart, but this isn't it. <laughs> no. I, under, I actually understand AQ, AQ's point and Dia's point at the same time. Like, I think everybody does. Um, yeah. I, I think it's hard to deny. I don't know if it's if it's Harden is absolutely, there's two things working for Harden, right? And I don't understand one of them. One is he's an incredibly good offensive basketball shooter. And the other one is he gets every call in the book. I like how he said shooter, he not player, shooter. Portland. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, because he's just slow when he goes to the hole. His whole game is to get the call on the on the drive. It's not to blow by people. He's not extremely quick. He's just, a, and that, I, so I'm, I'm going to say that he's a great shooter because he can shoot from any angles and stuff. But anyway, yeah. I, I just think that his really slow offense probably would work with Terry because <laughs> Terry is a player's <laughs> offense. He likes, like, that's where our droughts of offense are. When, the, when we go to one on one, spread the floor and let everyone have a break or something, I'm not but, really but sure what is, the point of those runs are. Just but sometimes. Up. We get hot and we make a couple threes. Sometimes CJ pulls some great moves, but those are our lulls. When the team but, passes the ball and moves the ball, like Dia said, works together, our offense yes, looks okay, unstoppable. Okay. Boy, I, I was confused for a second there, Chad. I thought you were going the other way. I, I thought, because yeah, you're you're saying that when we move the ball, that's when this team is working best. I thought you were trying to say bring Harden in or his advantage would be that isolation play when we kind of wear down. That's when he would No, help I'm trying us. to say the, the cup half full argument yes, of... Okay. If Harden's here, maybe those periods of time don't exist anymore. Maybe those lulls don't yeah. happen. I mean, but I I don't want to see Damon Harden on the same defensive team. Same. We need one. <laughs> we, we, we have already given up everybody that plays defense behind them. The only time I want to see Dame and Harden on the court together is when Harden's on the other team and Dame's kicking his butt. Yeah. The thing to me is I didn't. Even, I mean, I didn't even go into. Oh, sorry. Yes. The, the play, like I didn't even go into his form of play. But the fact of the matter is that James Harden is someone who has to have the ball in his hands. Yeah, and right. I want the ball in James' hands. I don't want the ball in James Harden's hands. Now, I, I know that J that Dame can play off the ball, and I think he wants to do that a little bit more. But the, James Harden is not going to be Dame playing off the ball. James Harden is going to be James Harden playing right. iso ball and everyone else standing around waiting for him to do it. Like, I just I just don't. I don't think that he's, and I, I think it's going to throw off that chemistry. I think you're going to have this guy that comes in here and expects to be the star when we have a, just such a good, oh. <laughs> go, go for it, AQ. Is there, okay, is there any chance you guys believe that Dame could change Harden into becoming, you know, just more organized, no. more Is he going to live with him? <laughs> I, I love I love Dame, but I think that's a bridge too far for him. I disagree, actually, on this. I think Dame could. I don't think he. I don't think it's likely. I think it's possible. I think if anyone in the world could, it's probably Dame. But 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 I've I've heard a lot of people compare this to the Mello situation, where you know Mello was a little bit of trouble. He was a little bit of a problem in his locker room and all that stuff. And then he came in and it's a totally different person. But the difference between Mello and Harden in this situation is Mello was out 
of the league for a year. And he realized he right. wanted to be there and no one would take him except for the Blazers. So right. the man was completely humbled and put on this team. And that's a very different attitude to be coming into than James Harden, who's throwing a freaking baby hissy fit to get on a team he wants to be on and get out of where he wants to be. It, it's just mellow. With, with Melo, even the very season before this, we tried to get Melo up here. Damon CJ were making uh, uh, the, like longings for him. He was it, it was very well known. They wanted him in Portland, and he wouldn't come. He instead went to both, I think, OKC and Houston before making his move up here because, like you said, Dia, he still thought he had room to do so. It wasn't until he was fully humbled that he agreed to come up here. And the other sides of this, too, Seth, you brought up a good point earlier that Harden – could very well just be using this as leverage. He's adding Portland to the list because he's trying to give Houston more leverage to actually make a trade. Because basically, I, th I said this on a previous pod, by uh, Harden announcing he wanted to go to Philly, he wanted to go to Brooklyn, that basically makes it harder for him to go to those teams because the, the, then those teams feel like they have to give less for him and Houston feels like they're getting screwed by the deal. So they won't make that trade. They'd look for someone else to make a better deal. So yeah, him adding more teams to his list is just a way to kind of maybe add a little bit of leverage when he has none. Uh, the other side of this, though, if there is actually a chance that he is wanting to come up here, or at least the perception, if other fans, other players see that, oh, James Harden wanted to come up here after they saw Mello not only choose to come here, but then choose to kind of stay here after they saw Rodney Hood come up here and then choose to stay here. Portland is slowly trying to change its image, not trying, but Portland's image is slowly changing as far as a free agent destination with that kind of action. You're seeing veteran players, star players saying, hey, Portland is not so bad. And this could have dividend payoffs in the future, but you don't get those payoffs by wrecking the team construction with a guy like James Harden. Uh, okay, go ahead, AQ, and then I want to move on. Go ahead, go ahead wrap okay, this up. My, my last point is I just want, I want Neil to make that push, make that aggressiveness that Toronto did for Kawhi uh, and to bring bring Kyle Lowry that championship. Because if anybody deserves a championship, in my opinion, it's Dame. Just like how much Kyle Lowry put in the work for years in Toronto. So whether it's Harden, whether it's a maybe like a Blake Griffin um, or, you know, whatever the next star wants out, like just getting Dame that final push um, that can get him into that one ring that like Dirk Kyle Lowry got. Bring back LaMarcus. <laughs> oh, oh that's a whole gosh. other conversation we will get into <laughs> no, that no, maybe no, another no. pod no, <laughs> what's no, up no. chad <laughs> i mean i guess i think we're in the championship window i think they did that when they did covington that was going to be my point to aq there was that i feel like they made those moves because what we need we didn't need more offense we needed defense and we need guys that are going to hustle for the ball we needed two guys that we got who can guard a lebron james and ad at the same time with athleticism and length that we didn't have on the team. I mean, that's what we saw in the next game that we're going to talk about. But is the length that those two guys brought in makes a difference more than James Harden, I think, to this offense. All right, so we will get to those weapons the team does have. But as far as just kind of like, let me just put a little bow on this James Harden topic, because again, I'm sure we will get talking about this many more times in many weeks to come. You can't put a bow on anything James Harden. Come on. We, <laughs> uh, AQ, I hear... I hear what you're saying, AQ, and many other people, other fans around Portland saying as far as on paper, this dude is just too good. He's a top five type player in the NBA. He's just too good to ignore the possibility of if you could make a move for him to bring him up here. The thing I would say in response to that is a little Jack Ramsey quote that I'm sure we've all heard many times. Teams that play together beat those with superior players who play more as individuals. So you you don't need James Harden here. You need 
players that play together to beat teams that have James Harden on them. We don't need him here. He's not going to help the overall roster. And I, again, just as far as that quote, I heard one line from someone earlier that James Harden could possibly make Dame better. That is not what he does. We have seen star after star play with James Harden and leave because he doesn't help them. He's a selfish individual player. And again, it's a whole nother pod, but with COVID going on, what, 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 with, well, hold up. what I was going to say, did he leave OKC because he wanted for, for some yes, he Yeah, no, he, he it was it was money. Like he, when he when he left OKC, he very much had it was about he took the biggest contract possible. That, that was the, the choice he made. And he had quotes about it uh, saying it was it, he was signing for money. His values are money and personal fame. That's what James Harden is about. And on that note, again, with COVID going on right now, I'm not trying to get too serious. We'll move on in a second. The, the disrespect, the disregard James Harden has shown for human life and for other people outside of him, I f- never will root for him in a Blazer jersey. If he did somehow end up in Portland here, that would be the worst, the most depressing year for me because I couldn't watch Blazers. I will never root for that man. He's a horrible person off the court, despite what he does on the court. And that is not what the Blazers are about. The character that we have up here in Rip City is it's just, it is, he is the antithes, uh, antithesis for everything we stand for. Speaking of COVID, last night's game against the Lakers, Carmelo Anthony did not travel with the team. I guess we can't actually say that's related to COVID. That might have been kind of jumping the gun on for me. The team said health and safety protocols. But I'm asking you guys, what are we supposed to assume when a team says the player's not injured? He doesn't have any other, you know, we've heard lots of other personal reasons and all this kind of stuff. When a team says health and safety protocols, do you not just assume that means Carmelo has some sort of connection to a, a, a COVID case and he's trying to stay separate? I, think I, assumed that's, it, I assumed it was contract chasing. Contract chasing? No, con- like he he was somewhat contact close to contact. Oh, oh, contact tracing. Yeah. Sorry, this guy yeah. screwed us up there. Yeah, so when they're, when they're, that health and safety protocol has, from from what I know, has been added this year, and it's something that's used. It, it doesn't mean they have COVID, but they're being right. overly cautious with um, the exposure and things like that. So for instance, Mello is is in LA, you know, warming up with the team for the for the Clippers. Um, so he, you know, there he's there. If he had oh, COVID, he wouldn't be there. So it has to, I don't know all the details of it. Like I don't know how he Did he travel today? I he must have. I'm not sure. I don't know the details of that, but I know that he's I know oh, okay. that he's there. There's been video and pictures of him there. Um, they've reported that he's there. So I know he's there and I know he's with the team and he's practicing with the team today. Um, okay, if, so I don't know if he traveled there today or if he traveled. Yeah, I don't know how that all is. But if he actually had COVID, he, there's no way he'd be doing that. So it's definitely has to do with either uh, some kind of contact they've come into or whatever. I don't know what all the protocols are. Um, I know it's a very, very long list of them. So it could be a number of different things. Yeah, he could have just had the sniffles or something. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, I'm not trying to act like I, I was not trying to when I brought this up, I wasn't trying to like target him in the way of saying, oh, is he does he have COVID? Even if he had COVID that 
I think people need to be clear about this. There is kind of a weird taboo when someone announces they have uh, had COVID. It doesn't mean that they screwed up even. Like right. there's plenty of ways you can get COVID when you didn't do anything wrong, when you were still trying to be as safe as possible. Uh, but yeah, it does not mean that he, uh, Carmelo himself is infected. It could very well be contact tracing. There was some kind of rumor and some hearsay about, I think it was uh, Nasir Little, that there was also maybe some possibility that people thought he might have uh, had a case or or been in contact with someone who tested positive uh, just from the way he was held out and from the way the team practices were kind of handled earlier. I believe the, uh, I read that he had the same designation was health and protocol. So health there you go. It's, I believe he's, been, he's been in it for like over a week, I think. Right. I, I believe they say that even if they do have COVID. I, what I is think that I think that because of HIPAA, they can't come out and say that a player actually has it unless that player or his agent chooses to release that information. I think. I'm not 100% sure on that. But I no, believe that because the team, like when the Blazers had that outbreak a while ago, the team came out and said that it, that there were three people involved with the team who had it. One of them was a player. The other two right. were not. That's all the information that was ever officially released by the I team. I thought that was just the Blazers being professional and not putting their players on blast like other sports. Because in the NFL, it gets put out there every yeah, second. Yeah, but it's, I, it's typically put out there by the player or the agent, not by the team, from what I have seen. I could be wrong, but I think that that's, I think that that's a HIPAA violation unless the player has given permission or done it themselves. This is kind of a it's it's a, a process too. I'm sure it's the you know with with football and baseball as they've been going on, uh, and you know like you said, Chad, players uh, info has kind of been put out there. There probably have been some complaints from players and agents and and you know that side of things where they've said, hey, why why is this just being kind of revealed? That could affect my future contracts uh, if people don't if if there's maybe certain stigma around this years down the road. Uh, so yeah, maybe the NBA or Blazers, who knows, maybe they've kind of, the NBA could have made rules to kind of protect players, but we also know that in the past, Blazers have been a fairly private organization when it comes yeah, to... Yeah, I mean, growing up in the Northwest and being a Seahawks fan and a Portland fan, they both organizations have always protected their players, never right. put them on blast, always kind of like held locker room stuff to close to the vest. You know, so like, I, they, they're not just going to do that kind of stuff. So it's kind of... It's hard to say because I feel like I, we haven't heard it from anyone else either, right? I've never heard the safety protocols from any other team about any yeah. of our players. Not yet. Yeah. That's not being national news. It has been out there because every 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 time we do the rundowns for like the po the pre game rundowns and like the game threads and stuff, there's been several reports where people have been out for health and safety protocol. Okay, so so, so then maybe it is more. Of a so that's like a league wide designation that they yeah given. it is. Well, yeah. That's good. Okay, so we've uh, we've transitioned from the Houston game through COVID into this new game. Let's talk about the new game. We have lost to go over here with the 115 to 107 win over the number one seed Lakers, the team that every media outlet in the offseason was saying, oh, they, the Lakers won the offseason after winning the championship last year. They are the easy shoe-in for the next championship, basically just trying to set up uh, set them up as the next Warriors dynasty. Uh, don't even bother making other bets. Just say it's going to be the Lakers. Don't even bother watching the games. Uh, is the Lakers going to win it all? I don't understand that perspective, really. But as we saw, the Blazers went in there, and if there was any possibility that Let's say if we zoom forward to the end of this season and we again had an eight seed, one seed matchup, it's going to look different possibly than the last one did in the bubble. The, the Blazers just took these guys on. And if we had healthy rosters, I, I feel like I was saying again on another episode, I think when it was uh, me and Chad and AQ in the beginning of the season here, 
I think the Blazers won the offseason. I think a lot of people are giving the Lakers credit for LeBron and Anthony Davis, the players they already had, not looking at Schroeder versus Rondo, Marcus All versus uh, 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 JaVale McGee and some of the other players they had in there. Uh, I, I, I don't think this team is nearly as stacked as everyone wants to make them out to be. And I think uh, Blazers really kind of, you know, despite the rough start, they didn't look too good in the beginning. Uh, it was it was a, a rough win indeed, but it was a great comeback. And again, not one they usually see where Blazers go down that bad that early and actually manage to make the comeback, not just kind of, you know, get close and fall a little short. So I know we've got thoughts on the defense here, too. We kind of touched. Comeback in the first quarter. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, you know, it was it was a fight right from the get-go. But we, we'll get to the defense in a second, too. But what did you guys like most as far as... Uh, I guess kind of the, the the punch back, like the the uh, the the comeback effort the Blazers made here. Who do you think was kind of the most critical? Who who stood out to you? Uh, let's start with you, Chad. What what do you feel like as far as uh, player wise in the Blazers or the Lakers? Like who what kind of fell short or surprised you? I mean, it surprises me that Anthony Davis can just look like an average Joe every once in a while and get paid so much money. Well, he's held to thirteen points, right? I mean, the guy did just didn't look like he made a difference. Like he looked like Matumbo out there. Um, it was just like a big guy. Didn't look. Didn't look like an all star. So, so you're uh, saying that's just him having a bad night? That's not like you know. Rogue I mean, it's what we did DJ. to him in the first game when he didn't show any energy, and then the next four games he he showed energy and scored a bunch of buckets, and they tried real hard. Um, I feel like it was something you don't want to talk about because that's what I loved at that about <laughs> the game was defense. Like I just honestly that that all that game was was about manning up and guys wanting to prove the reason they came here. They wanted to be the defensive player of the year. They wanted to shut down the best players. They don't need the ball, James. Uh, you know, Jones Jr., DJJ, doesn't need uh, anything but the guy across from him to have the ball for him to be into this game. Yeah. Wait, wait. Did you say I don't want to talk about defense? I, I was just trying to say we'll build up to this. I'm not trying to say don't talk about defense. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about defense, man. Defense is the best part said, of the let's game. Let's not talk about opinion. defense, but what excited you guys? <laughs> okay, okay. Sorry. My bad. I, 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 let me rephrase that. Yeah. What, what was just the best part of the game to you? And you're saying it was the Blazers defending AD, it sounds like. You think that made the biggest difference? Yeah, I think difference. the length and the 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 attitudes of the two, the two newest guys uh, on defense are amazing. And I think that they did exactly what we talked about. They didn't get, they got steals, they got blocks, they made impacts on the defensive floor without getting fouls. All right, that's something Zach Collins hasn't been able to do. That's the, the that's the fact that Nurk hasn't been able to do. Yeah. Yeah, the defense, the, I mean, you talk about Keith, the off season, and, and honestly, I agree, and I've heard people outside of just the Blazers community saying the same thing, that, you know, ultimately, the Blazers killed it in the offseason. Like, we fixed a lot of holes. And we're not giving up much either. Without, I mean, yeah, really, like, we're not. And, and I'm somebody that gets emotionally attached to our team. I, like, the trade season, I, I, I'm anxious about it. I'm like, who do I have to give up? Like, who am I going to have to see in some other team's uniform? I don't know. Yeah, these are like your brothers and sisters, right? This right. is family. It's, it's family. Yeah. And so, and like, <laughs> I understand some brothers and sisters are worth giving up. Right. I mean, I don't have brothers and sisters in real life, so I don't know how that works, but sure. Um, I I think, you know, Trevor Ariza, I was sad to see him go, but ultimately from a game perspective, I think we improved. Um, Whiteside, I'm just not going to comment on, but I think we, I think, I think we definitely improved. And I think that was shown last night. Again, you know, you're seeing these guys are coming in 
and they're coming to a totally different team and having to figure out how that works. And it was really cool to watch it work last night. It was really fun to watch that work. And it's interesting because Robert Covington, I don't think he scored once, did he? He had no points, right? Or Co one did he end the game with no points? I don't know if he had zero points, but like you definitely he felt his impact. And I was going to say, I was going to say that to your point there is that Dia, uh, is that he or DJJ didn't hit the buckets that no. I expect them to make at least but, one or two of. But in my opinion, they were game changers. Yeah, they didn't right. have to hit the buckets yep. to be game right. changers for us. And I think that's the thing for me is we came into this season number three in offense. So our offense didn't need improvement. And this, I'm going to take it back to James Harden for two seconds and then I'm going to skip over it. But like, that's the thing about James Harden is like, he offense, 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 but he sucks at defense. So really like, that's not what we need. Anyway, back to that. Sorry. Um, I, I think that, you know, with those two, like we don't need guys to come out and score a bunch. We've got those. Our, our whole defensive plan last season was score 200 and hope the other team doesn't. Like we can score, we can, we've got shooters. But, but what we haven't had is defense. So I don't really care that they shot. You said four for 18 AQ, three for 18, I, three for 18 something like that. I don't something I don't like care. That. I don't care that that's how, <laughs> how they shot because they made up for it in blocking other people's shots and playing some major defense. So I'm, I, that was, man, that was fun. It was fun to watch I that. Mean, DJJ almost blocked LeBron two handed above the rim. Oh my God. That man can fly. I can't even touch the freaking net. That Dude. guy's hitting his head on the rim and making it look like he hopped. Yeah. That, that, that block. And again, hey, look, I said, dude, I just, okay, I'm, I'm working on, we're, we're going with duties <laughs> time. Uh, that block that he had, that almost two-handed one, there's a shot on there on that angle where at one point when, when DJ is skying through the air and LeBron is at like the peak of his jump, LeBron's hip is below DJ's knee. Like DJ's knee is that high in the air. He is flying through. And he's and behind him. The announcer said yeah. the best said the best thing. He was looking at him or what's his name? It's not Adam West, but uh Jerry West in the eyes. <laughs> I mean, and, and that was even like that was off of a screen at the three-point line when he chased that down and he has another block i guess a couple plays later and, and man that, that was fantastic. i just hope he gets this up for every game because when you play other teams there's not lebron james's on every team he and if he plays like this he will really shut people out like he could make it so two guys don't score on some of these teams we're playing Ooh, be awesome. Uh, and hey, for the record, real quick too, uh, Covington, he was two of nine on on that game last night, and uh, and DJ as well. Neither one of them are really showing that offensive end yet, but getting this defense from them is the difference maker. And if they can then start, if Covington can, we know he can hit threes, and we've seen some hope from DJ where he might be kind of doing a three and D thing as well. That would really, really uh, just just kind of give some real strength to the to the foundation that we need here for a good run so aq i've been running over you for a while here what were you trying to get in yeah no, i mean i think uh the big thing that we kind of missed last season was the wings that we uh in 2018-19 we did have i believe a top 10 defense and it was mostly due to aminu and harkless and i think covington and jones can really bring back that defensive wing duo um i also want to shout out to hey. apple valley native Gary Trent Jr. Um, I, you know, I was, <laughs> was kind of interested to see. Yeah, I have to shout out every the time. I have a Trent. 
Uh, every oh, time. Yeah, yeah, no, like, you're not just going to shout out Trent. You're going to shout out that he's uh, that he's from your, that you're in his town. I get it. Like, it, like I should start doing that as part of your intro, AQ. When you come on the show, it's going to make Apple Valley native from uh, he, he's broadcasting from Gary Trent's living room. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Former Sorry, living bro. room. For- <laughs> no, yeah. Um, I, I was interested to see how he how he looked outside the bubble because there was some some people that shot you know way better in the bubble than outside. But the fact that he kept going. Um, I actually just seeing a report now that he uh, might be out for Thursday against the Clippers, Who, Trent? Uh, which is a bummer. Gary Trent Jr. Yeah, Why? Because of a, I think it was like a sprain. He got hurt Nothing. at the end. No. That's why they oh. pulled him out. Yeah. As long as we can score more than 25 and a half, I think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Let's hope that that's not ironic. Whoa. Okay, so let, let's stick on Gary Trent for a second, though, because beyond his scoring, he had what? Uh, 28 points last night against the Lakers. Seven three points made out of a, uh, I don't remember the attempts. I want to say seven, 11 or seven of 11 or something like that. But this is the third time that he's hit his career high of seven made threes in a game. And I heard Danny Morang point out on outsiders last night. I shout out to him. Uh, the Blazers have only had three players who have hit seven threes off their bench in history. Trent has done it three times himself. Uh, so this, this dude is special and he is providing a punch off the bench that we have just not had in Portland. Which and the big question, let him go. Yes. I agree with you, Dia. 100%. The, the, the big question has been it's not up how they're going to handle him. Wait, wait, we'll, we'll get to that part. We saw against the Rockets, he played six minutes and Stotts's excuse was basically saying, uh, it was Trent or Simons and Simons was playing well. So they let him run with it. We can, skip right by that whole conversation or maybe talk about it again in the future if it ever comes up again. Hopefully it doesn't. I don't really see Simons and Trent in the same category right now. But then last night, like we mentioned earlier, you didn't have Mello. So suddenly some minutes open up. Less of a question about it. He's trying to showcase himself for. Oh, no. No, 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 no. No. Okay, fine. We'll do real to this. Trent is not showcasing himself for the Lakers just because he's a clutch. Just because he's signed with clutch. That does not make any sense. That's not how basketball works. Don't make up rumors, Chad. That's not how it works. That's That's what I'm here to do, man. That's what I'm here to do. (laughs) Chad, you scared me last night because I didn't really know the full details. And you texted uh, us in the chat that. He's signing with Clutch and the Lakers, and I was like, "Wait, what? I didn't know." No, it happened a while ago. It's not news. He's not signing with the Lakers. They cannot afford him unless they do some massive. First of all, if he was going to go to any team, he'll come back to Minnesota and play with the T Wolves. <laughs> if anything, he's not going right. anywhere. He's an RFA. Portland is going to match. Right. Every okay. Offer so offer that is made on him this offseason. Okay. So let's move straight They're to this. Going to keep Gary Trent Jr. We, we have the Blazers have picked up the options for both Gary Trent and uh, Anthony Simons. They have said these guys are going to stay with us. We're going to keep them uh, at least keep control on where they go or the ability to match con- any contract offers. Uh, conversely, they did not pick up the option on Zach Collins. He will be a I believe I have that right. Sorry. Correct me if I'm saying that wrong. But Zach Collins will be a restricted free agent next year. Yeah. Uh, and the Dia, you and Dave actually talked about this on your last episode of Dave and Dia. Shout out to you guys. Great pod over there at Blazers Edge. Uh, please, whenever you guys finish listening to Trailcasters, go and check them out next. They're a, a great show. You can't can't really say they bring the the brilliance and majesty of, of uh, AQ and, and Chad over here. But, but you know, they, they're doing their best. We uh, do what we can. <laughs> Anyway, that is obviously totally they're not drinking enough. 
<laughs> well, I don't uh, drink at all. I don't know about Dave, but I, well, yeah, I he's definitely, probably not, definitely not enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, Zach, uh, Zach's gonna be an unrestricted, or sorry, a restricted free agent. Uh, and the way Dia, the way you and Dave put this on your pod was basically saying the player and his agent want the team to give them as much money as possible. Obviously, the team wants to give the player as little money as possible. When those two numbers are close, it's an easy arrangement. You can easily come up with an option for, okay, we we agree on this. The problem is when the player, like Zach, is underperforming, but he thinks he still has value. He wants a high number, even though he hasn't had a chance to really show he deserves it, where the team is gonna say, eh, you haven't earned it. That's the situation he's in. He now will be able to try and get an offer from another team and the Blazers will have the chance to match that option if they want to, if, if the number's not too high. Then we look at Simons and, and uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry, they picked up, I said Trent earlier, they picked up the options for Simons and Nasir Little. Uh, my apologies for that. Um, the talk of this, we'll, uh, we'll relate this back to Gary, but the talk of this, basically, the Blazers are saying with Simons and Nas, yeah, we want you in here. We're going to keep controlling you. Uh, that that number, as far as what the player wants and what the team thinks they can give him, is probably a lot closer than, than what it is with Zach, uh, is I think where this comes down to. Uh, and okay, so relating back to Gary, like data, said, it's, it's market value and what yeah. they're going to just say, okay, Zach, you think you have that kind of value? Go test the market and see what you get. And then they can still sign that, right? I mean, I don't know that. Yeah. Is he restricted? Yes. Yes, Zach will yeah, be restricted. Zach, Zach and Gary are restricted free. Yeah, and they're the ones yes. that they didn't have the team didn't have options for, correct? Because they players actually declined. I know uh, Portland yeah, declined so offer I, to Zach. Gary Gary has declined in extension currently. The right. team has not made a qualifying offer on Zach. Sometimes that stuff gets tricky, and it, it, sometimes it. To the people on the outside, it looks like the team and the player are butting heads. But a lot of times, they make those agreements together. They sit down, they talk about it. They, the team says, "We like what you're saying. We can't give you more. You need to do this or whatever." Um, in in some circumstances, I think it's like what we talked about on podcast, where it's it's there's just a gap there. And so, you know, everybody's kind of looking out for themselves. I do think Portland really looks out for its players, and I think that when it's reasonable and when they can, they pay them well. Um, I, I, I think with Zach, Zach's such a tricky one because he's so, he, he's got so much promise in my opinion, um, but he's young and he's inexperienced and because he keeps getting hurt, he's not getting the experience that he should be getting. And so he's maybe not where he should be if he hadn't been hurt as much as he has. He's a tough one. He's a tough one for me. Reminds me a lot of Myers Leonard. Who is flourishing where he is now. Keith, you're muted. Oh, hey, I guess it helps to turn the microphone <laughs> back on. Yeah. <laughs> I was enjoying oh, that. Was... Why'd you have to say anything, Seth? <laughs> yeah, I said it like three times. I was dealing with the dog over here, trying to get him, uh, him corralled uh, and turn the mic off for a second. Uh, thank you for that. Hey, Key, you got anything to add to that conversation? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, you know, I really love Zach, uh, but if it comes between, down to between Zach, uh, Greg, Gary, and Anthony, I'm keeping the back, the Anthony and uh, Gary. Like, I would, I would let Zach walk. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, you, you know, the other side of this that we haven't really mentioned either, 
uh, we were talking all about Harry Giles the other week, and we haven't really seen Harry Giles now. And he, he's he, again in the preseason. We kind of mentioned this guy was probably going to be rele- uh, relegated to the bench. He's going to be probably like fighting for minutes behind Nurk and Cantor. Uh, and then he played so well that we assumed he would have to get run, especially without Zach being in the, in the field yet. But we never dude, assumed anything. <laughs> I assumed. I assumed. Uh, yeah, I, I thought he'd get some run with Zach being down. But and again, it's it's only three games in. Uh, I, there's still plenty of chance. But I'm I'm a little shocked that Harry Giles has not seen more minutes so far. I I think this is a theory from completely out of left field. So feel free to just cut this out later if you want. But um, I I there's a part of me that thinks again, like Portland is so much about chemistry. Um, and I, I think that I wonder if because Cantor has been on the team before and has played with these guys, if Stotts is running him in there more often than Giles for now, while everybody's still kind of getting used to each other because of that short time that they had to practice. I don't know. I, I don't know if there's anything to that, but I've wondered that if, if it's just a matter of trying to work out the bugs, you know, I, they put Harry in in the preseason and especially against Sacramento, which was his previous team. Um, but I, I just wonder, I wonder if maybe that has something to do with it. This is yeah. Terry Stott's MO. Go ahead, AQ. Well, I was just going to say, I completely agree with, and they really wasn't a long uh, training camp this season as well. Um, so I feel like Terry is just trusting his guys that he knows and giving them more minutes. Go ahead, Chad. Well, I was going to say, it's kind of his MO, right? We saw all, we've seen this happen before with other guys have really great summer camps or and then not necessarily get a ton of time. Um, and other guys not necessarily do super amazing in the summer and start getting eight, 19 minutes for whatever reason. Um, I just think Cantor, and I was, I've always been an advocate of Cantor. I wanted him to could be back with his team. I just think he's incredibly valuable um, on the boards. I think he's incredible. I think he just is that guy that is annoying everybody down below. He's doing a lot of the little things that we don't necessarily get to show on the stats. Um, but I think he fight, he makes everybody work for boards on the other team as well. And I just don't know if, I don't know if I've seen everybody else adapt as well as like we talked about in the past where I think the team rebounds better when he's on the floor. Um, I don't know if that's the result of him because I think Rocco and DJJ are just hustling after everything. And those are the two guys that make me willing to give up Zach Collins and my love for Zach. And like Dio was saying, the family that we have Zach, I predicted we drafted him. I was with Keith on draft night at the stadium and said, Oh my God, we traded up. We're going to get Zach Collins. I I mean, I was all about him. I watched the Zags on a regular basis. Um, I was drooling over him being on this team. It's so excited. And it just has not come to fruition. Yeah. I want to, I want to, I was there at that event too. And that was so much fun. And I am upset that they haven't done that. I mean, obviously we can't now, but the two seasons <laughs> since then, they haven't had that event. And that was a really, really great thing. To, to see. Yeah, it was really fun. I was surprised they haven't done it in the past uh, couple years and why that was something that was taken away. I mean, obviously, like you said, COVID made sense, but. Yeah, it's, it. boy, I mean, <laughs> we could have a whole other discussion on what do you think that will we ever have those events again? Like it is, I mean, how much of this, how much of, of this year in COVID and the future of COVID is going to change the future of sports? Like how much, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Does anyone want to throw out a prediction? Like when do you think we will be back in, uh, in arenas for games? 
I would I would think that possibly a limited amount this season later in the season. Oh, you I think, think so? I think the playoffs I think the playoffs could have yeah. a limited amount. I mean, we're seeing that we're seeing that with football right now and granted it's outside and they're typically bigger stadiums, but I do think that they could they could drastically limit the amount of fans that are there and and possibly do it. I mean, I I don't know. I think, I think, I think it's just going to really numbers, right? It's all going to be numbers. Yeah. How well the vaccine gets passed out, how and well everybody area. You know, there may be certain areas like L.A. L.A. is just screwed. We're not having fans. Well, not we. <laughs> I'm not a fan of L.A., but there's they're not going to be fans in the building in L.A. for five years. Probably the way people act around here. But, can you so, can you tell me where everybody was going on the freeway? Uh, when? Like I text everyone. So like at the, at the game last night, they you know how they show those like sky views. Oh yeah, of the, of the city and the stadium, and the freeway's still packed. I used to live in LA. Oh yeah, and the, and the freeway's still packed. I'm like, where are they going? I thought the whole state was closed down. <laughs> yeah, people it's are LA. still very much out. It, it's it, it's closed down to some extent, but people are still working. Like a lot of businesses this time didn't shut down. Um, a lot of people or a lot of businesses and people in general are just saying screw you to the government and doing whatever the hell they want anyway. Um, I mean, when the Lakers won the championship and we were all supposed to be on lockdown, I don't know if you saw footage of that, but like there were huge, massive crowds of people in the streets. Like it's just I mean, I think I think Americans in general, this is not to get political here, but I think Americans in general are fairly selfish. But I think Los Angeles natives are up there on the most selfish of (laughs) them all, which is part of why I can't stand Laker fans. Um, But I think I think. I think taking it back to what we were talking about, I think that it wouldn't surprise me to see certain markets open up earlier for fans than others. And I think you're exactly right. I think it's all going to have to do with statistics of, you know, what what the numbers are like. But I, it wouldn't surprise me if we started to see some of it, you know, near the end of the season. I don't think the we'll next see year, a, though, right? I don't think we'll see a full stadium in a while. I, I, I mean, I, I don't think probably this. I mean, for sure not this season. I would get. I would venture to say probably not next season either, um, but I don't know. I mean, that's just my guess. Is yeah, it going to be a stadium full of masked people? I think when they start it back up, probably. I think you'd have to. I, I think. Yeah. I just don't. I don't think we're going to have. I know a, they would have to if they were going to do it like anytime soon, and they were going to do a limited amount. But if this was like a year down the road, Dude, look oh, at I, look at what's there's hardly look at a year ago from now like that's when this was all i mean it's been almost a year since this all started and we've barely made pro- i know they're coming out with a vaccine but like how effective is that going to be and how many people are actually going to take it and like is that really going to make a difference i don't know I, a year down the road we may still be in the same predicament that we're in now yeah it's yeah. and i think that's the big thing is it even if we suddenly get a handle on this with the vaccine or with other kind of like, you know, ways of, of controlling it and making people feel safe about going outside, I don't think that's going to be so safe that you suddenly just stop wearing masks. I think this is going to yeah. be a situation where we are going to be taking precautions for a while just because there's always going to be a fraction or a percentage of the population around you that is still at risk. And so you're doing, if you're a responsible person, you're doing your best to right. protect people around you. And there's just so much about this that is so unknown. You know, yes. it seems like it's it's changing, it's evolving. Yeah. We're trying to figure out what the heck is going on, how people are getting, how it's. I mean, at the beginning, if you remember, like we thought, if you even touched something that had come in contact with right. someone else, you could. I mean, so much information has come out and evolved and been learned. And I just feel like 
we're not, we're barely scratching the surface of this thing. And, and, and so I would like to think that the world is going to open back up again, but again, going back to how selfish and, uh, irresponsible Americans tend to be, excuse me, James Harden. I think we are, (laughs) there's no excuse for him. We're, we're, we're not, you know, there are other countries like Australia where they're back to normal. They're back to having festivals. Nobody's masked. It's, they haven't had cases in who knows how long and they're fine. But in America, our hospitals are once again full and people are being turned away and it's a mess. So people, and, and it just has to do with the fact that people cannot get past this me, 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 me attitude and it's all about my freedom and what I want to do and what matters to me. And it's not about taking care of the strangers around you. And I think until that mentality changes, we're screwed and it's probably never going to change. So I might just move to Canada. <laughs> I feel like uh, the NBA really has like less margin of error than like the NFL. Cause Agreed. if you mess up one game, then you got to like yes. really move around the schedule where the NFL, it's just like every Sunday, you know, you're playing, you know, here. So I think Adam Silver is going to, like, no fans till at least, like, maybe playoffs is my guess. We we mentioned this before on the on the pod, too. The Blazers, or not, not the Blazers, the NBA only released half the season schedule on purpose. The, the point of that is because they know a large portion is going to have to be rescheduled or postponed or, or handled in that way, where there's no point in releasing the second half of the schedule yet because it will be remade. Uh, and I don't think they do that as a normal, isn't that normal how they do it? No. Now? No, they, oh, normally no, the entire no. schedule is released all at once. Oh, I without, thought it was a half, first half, second half type release. No, two different normally, unveils. When, when when you get the when when the before the season starts, normally I I can tell you all the way up to the, the, the very last game, and you can plan the whole thing out as far as wins okay. and losses. Uh, but yeah, AQ, as far as the the difference you're mentioning, like you said, football plays Monday. I guess now sometimes Tuesday. Uh, Sometimes Wednesday was, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But uh, originally it was Monday, Friday, or Monday, Monday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. Basketball is every other day essentially, uh, and that, uh, even more so when you're playing the 82 game season, not the 72 game season we have now. So, any sort of case that happens now, the, the contact tracing has to be so much more immediate, so much more precise. You're going to have issues with this. It, it still blows my mind that the NBA was the first sport to come back after all this kind of happened and after we all locked down. And they, they went into a bubble. They were successful in a bubble. They killed it. Every other sport that didn't use a bubble. Every Not single the way one. COVID kills. The other way. <laughs> in the good way. They killed it in the good way. Oh. But every other they sport. They want people that, to think Tia was off, going off somewhere else. <laughs> every other sport that came back didn't use a bubble. And some of them were mildly successful. They they avoided it without the protocols. But every single sport that didn't use a bubble had massively larger cases than uh, massively larger case numbers than the NBA did. And yet now, after the NBA had that success, they come back and say, "No, we're not going to use a bubble." I don't understand it. It blows my mind. It doesn't make sense. It's not the safe thing to do. But it's the financial thing to do. And if, we, if we're being honest, that's what it comes down to. I, I think it comes down to more than that, though, because you can't expect these guys to live in a bubble for this long. The season is not the, the bubble was such a short period of time. And you're not just talking about players. You're talking about coaches and coaching staff and media and everybody that's involved to put that amount of people in a bubble for a lo- extended period of time when they have families and things. Sure. It's not realistic. And I think I think regardless of the fact that they aren't in a bubble, 
the NBA has taken this incredibly seriously. Yes. And they have more protocols in place than any other, which is what we've seen. Even so, we haven't had an entire team lose it. I mean, minus Houston, which, you know, is a whole other close. thing. They, yeah, they, they, they Well, they had to postpone a game. But oh, right. Yeah, they had to postpone the first game. game. You're right. Postponed. And I, and I, you know, I, I have said so many times, somebody needs to give Adam Silver a job with the country being in charge <laughs> of this because the man has it figured out and he's being yeah. cautious. So I don't think a bubble would have been realistic. I think it's a nice thought, but I don't think it would have been realistic mentally, mental health wise for, for these guys and, and for the staff and the coaches and every, everybody else. I, I, hear what I don't you're know about, I don't know about that all the way about giving Adam that much love, right? Like, James Harden, James Harden hasn't been suspended in any games. True. Yo, that's True. a good point. He should have been. He the lack been. of, the lack of penalty that Harden faced for for yep. doing what he did, that is unacceptable. Honestly, I mean that's putting other, that's just putting putting the the business at risk, right? We're not even going to yeah. get into the politics of yeah. the of the yeah. disease. Like that's that's business. Uh, well, decision. and it was like the 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 NBA had already put out protocols, uh, like a hundred, I think it was 158 pages or something like yeah. that of protocols. And but in the world of the NBA, so James them. Harden is a one percenter, my friend. Right, and that's what's wrong about it. That's why the system is broken the same way our I, government is broken. Yeah. But we won't I, so, <laughs> did anyone else watch that game and feel like LeBron James really wanted to win? Yeah, LeBron James always wants to win. I don't necessarily feel like that. I didn't feel like I that game won of the playoffs last year. He he looked like he did not enjoy playing basketball. I mean, I think he kind of always looked like that, but... He, well, I mean, I just think like he was very motivated last night he, to want to win that game. I think he definitely wanted to win that game. I, I was more so I was, than I would have expected for game three of the season. I guess is what I'm saying to you. But oh. I think I think it's I. You know, <clears throat> the Blazers are always going to see the Lakers as a rival, at least fans. I yes. think that I think that there's I think that there's been some talk on on all of this, and I think the Blazers came out of the off season, and and people are talking about them. And they're talking about him moving up and being a contender. And I don't think LeBron likes it. So LeBron is going to kind of put him back in his place. I mean, he walked off the court early and he didn't shake hands, fist bump, whatever, with any of the lasers. Like, he just took off. Oh, he was off, oh, the, he really? was off, the, court. He was off the court before the zeros hit yeah. on the clock. Yeah. Wow. I didn't he know was that. in the tunnel. Like, yeah, he was showering when it was going to zeros. That wow. being said... That being said, one of the things that I always think about when I see stuff like this is all of these people are human and who knows what could be going on in his personal life that could be driving that as well. It may have absolutely nothing to do with game three. Maybe sure. one of his kids is going through something and it's in the back of his head. You just never know what, you know, these guys are expected to, to show up and play this public figure night after night after night but they also have family and and personal lives and things that can be going on and you just never know what they're going through yeah like he might have needed to get out of there for other reasons he was just trying yeah to watch them. maybe he was about to cry Who well I, yeah i mean I, fair enough <laughs> well, we, well i agree with what aq uh what was it that you just said about jones yeah was it about Der uh, Derek jones yeah i mean do you, does this have anything to do with it well, I mean, yeah, I, I think, like, he got under his skin, you know, it was kind of roughing him up, playing him physical. That's how you always play LeBron. You know, I remember those Dallas teams in 2011 kind of getting under his skin. Uh, and he'll start playing, you know, start playing, forcing it a little bit, and get him going. But I think in the whole, you know, scheme of things, it's just the third game of the regular season. Yeah. 
Ron's, Ron's going to throw it over. And we should. like We shouldn't like hang our lures on this game. Next game, building that consistency is kind of like how I hope the team and Terry are talking. It's a okay, good win. So, yeah, you guys wanted to give up Utah. I want to give up the six quarter, the first six quarters of the season. <laughs> like, throw the okay, first so half of the Houston game out, too. If we're looking at the long-term answer for the uh, – let's, let's loop back on the defense here because we kind of touched on – uh, the pieces we have here between Covington and DJ and, you know, uh, quick guys, I, I appreciate all of you, uh, jumping in here. We're, um, we're, we'll wrap up shortly. I know we've been here for a little while. Uh, but yeah, beyond Covington and DJ, uh, as far as these new defensive pieces, we are looking at a new defensive system with a team, right? Like there's less drop coverage. Nurk is having to kind of change a lot of what he's doing. That might be kind of throwing him off a little bit. We've heard some quotes from Nurk saying he's not feeling like he's fully, uh, ready yet. He's about 70%, I think is what he put it as. And he's also kind of quoted some, uh, some mental struggles as far as some of the off court stuff, some of the personal life and, you know, things involving COVID and his personal family. Uh, my point with that only being that him adjusting to a new defense could be a little bit tough, but how do you guys feel about what we saw uh, again, that, that unspoken of game one versus the jazz half of, Game two against the Rockets, like you said, Chad, and now going all the way through game three against the Lakers where we saw this kind of improved system and things kind of setting in. How permanent do you feel this defense is? Do you feel like this is something we're going to see in spurts? Or is it going to be something that is like, are we actually going to see it? Is the change here after game three and it's here to stay? Are we looking at a full good season of this? Or uh, or how confident are you in, in the, the, the new Blazers defense? Anyone? Thank you. AQ, you're shaking your head over there. Yeah, you got an say, opinion. I, I don't want to make any, you know, hot takes or anything. I don't want, like, it was a good game. Uh, very tough matchup against the Clippers with Kawhi and, if Kawhi's playing, and Paul George. That uh, would be good for our wings. So I think you don't really make any takes on the season until at least 10, 12 games. Then you kind of have, like, a uh, sample size. Okay, so, so we're at game four right now. Uh, I guess that means AQ. We'll 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 see you at game ten. We'll we'll have you back on. And uh, in I mean, Melo said minutes. they're going to be making adjustments till game seventy two because that's just how the NBA is, right? That's a fair point too. <laughs> so I mean, the, every the, you know, especially this year, like we just talked about all everything we just talked about. There's going to be the year of adjustments, and the depth. I think that's where our depth might matter. Hopefully, uh, it matters in the win column to get us at a higher seed, and then in our top six or seven guys will matter. Seth, I feel like I can't tell if you're a statue or if you've lagged out over there. Are you with us? No, I'm, I'm here. I'm <laughs> listening to everybody else. You know, one of the things about this year so far that is a little bit under my skin and every is everyone's like, oh, we can't, we can't overreact uh, and we can't underreact. You know, the game preseason game one was great. You know, we got to root for a guy like Harry Giles and and then go nowhere and then three really really bad games like those those were just carryover from the playoff season against uh, the playoff series against the lakers right those last four games were terrible and we saw a lot of the same issues and yeah there's that they've only had three practices they've only had four games and two regular season three regular season games and maybe as many practices together as a team to this point. The problem is this year is because the margin of error is so slim, you can't go, 
well, they've only had a little bit of time together. You only get a little bit of time together. You need to get it together now. You don't get to wait 8, 10, 12 games for it to settle in. It has to settle in now. I think that's what we're seeing, though, is I think it's starting to. I hope so. I think, Did, yeah. Was there a report that Dane came out at halftime of that Houston game or, said, or, or in between the games the, before the Lakers game or something and, and had a little team talk? It was the Houston game, yeah. At halftime in yeah. Houston, he kind of, I guess, had some team talk where I think the essence of it was essentially like, what are we doing here? You know, like him saying, like, get, like, get focused, get organized. And they came out in the second half and made a difference. Because I think the difference that I saw in both games is I think the L.A. game was a little more technically defensive sound than mm-hmm. maybe the second half of the Houston game. But what happened in the second half of the Houston game was effort. I didn't see right. a lot of effort in the game game one against Utah. I feel like they were like, yeah, we're 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 solid team we're a defensive team like look at our players we're athletic and we're going to do well well you know? okay, so and i think there is like what dia said i think there was some national media that put them up there as like one of the top teams and under the radar teams of like how they did and then barkley was betting on them and you know <laughs> they were getting all this hype and Dude, yeah so hundred thousand dollar bet on the blazes uh, was it making the finals or winning the finals something like that making it winning, to the final conference yeah <laughs> I love Charles Barkley, but he's the reason why we get roasted a lot. Yeah. My man, bro. <laughs> don't hype us up, you know, kind of keep us yeah. low on the radar, you know, like we're good, but like, you don't, he, he didn't he say we were going to sweep the Lakers? Yeah, uh, yeah he probably did. <laughs> he probably did say something. Like, yeah, it's him or me. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Blazers definitely do have a weird thing about feeling good about being underdogs, but once you start talking about them, they they seem to shy away from some of that spotlight a little bit. That's a whole other issue that we can, uh, you know you know what, guys? We're probably going to just have to get to that on, on another week. We'll have to loop back and talk about the Blazers' ability to, to not get shy in the spotlight because that could be a thing this season. Uh, we're not going to be able to stay in the shadows if we want if we're going to have a defensive scheme that is new and effective against even the best teams like the Lakers and we want to be consistent, not just kind of up and down, we're going to have to get over being shy. So uh, we will come back to that in a future episode. But for now, listeners, I want to thank you all for a wonderful episode. And uh, you can always send any of your questions to at Trailcasters on Twitter, Trailcasters at gmail.com. If you want to reach out to, well, Twitterless Chad, hey. we'll eventually get him a Twitter. But for now, you can reach him at Trailcaster. Never. Uh, AQ, hey. what's your Twitter handle? Where can fans reach out to you? Yeah, uh, at Abdikalis, at A-B-D-I-Q-A-L-I-S. Uh, I do a lot of movie takes, so if you want to hear why Ooh, uh, movie takes. Harry Potter series is overrated. Ah, yes! I love it. Oh, but bro, you bring this up in the like in the closing of the podcast. Couldn't we have like derailed from Blazes? No, we can start like, a right? Harry Harry Potter podcast <laughs> another time. We can do that after the beer podcast. The Let's beer not podcast. Get into that now. Like, like, I don't know if you're into sci-fi as well, uh, but you know, fantasy is one thing, but sci-fi I feel like a little superior genre, a little more to go for. We'll get there eventually. Seth, hey! where can people find you on Twitter or anything else? Where can listeners go and tell you about your outrageous takes? <laughs> yeah, uh, at uh, Z3R05UM, uh, and I'll have a Zoom going every game to uh, right. watch Blazers game and hang around with a bunch of your other Twitter friends. And Yeah, so, okay. So uh, we had a great time on game one. I would love to do that every game. So quick hit on that. Yeah, Z3R, it's zero sum spelled with numbers if, if you guys didn't uh, quite get that. But go and find him on there. We will tag him in the episode, uh, give him a follow, and please join us for all of the uh the zoom game chats i thought that was really fun game one seth that you set that up uh 
We had a really good time with a number of uh, the Blazes Twitter people that kind of came out for it. I didn't realize you did another one for Game 3 uh, the other night. I will try and join in for more of these. But hey, if we can't all be getting together, if we can't all be seeing each other at a sports bar or somewhere nearby to, to root together, do it on Zoom. Come and join us. Uh, join at Z3R zero sum with the rest of it we'll put that out there uh and the trailcasters and the rest uh it's, it's a good time so we will get to going for more games last but not least dia where hey. can the fans reach you where can they find you to tell you uh about all your outrageous takes and how how dare you say things like we don't want james harden Although oh, right. I do a whole lot of that on Twitter, too. Uh, <laughs> I am on Twitter at Deandra Ann, D-I-A-N-D-R-A-A-N-N. Um, and I, I, if you are not a Blazer fan, you are not going to want to follow me because I, <laughs> that's basically all I tweet about. That and the silly things my children do. So pretty exciting over there. Hey, that, that's that's a highlight reel waiting to happen. Uh, without a t- <laughs> All right. So in closing, your Ombo listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, as always, to to Chad, to Ty, who couldn't be here tonight, to to AQ, to Seth, to Dia. Thank you to Odar for these fat beasts. And thank you to our sponsor, Clearly Speaking. And as always, thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Ripsity basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again. And please come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters. Woo! Woohoo!